We go and grab a quick bite. We watch a movie, then fight. We're the Fast Food Film Friends. You're listening to Fast Food Film Friends, the show where we take one look at some chicken and go... (laughs) (laughs) That is correct. And for everybody who's listening who hasn't seen the movie we're talking about today, you are going to be very confused. This week, we're talking about Ridley Scott's latest film, Napoleon, while eating KFC's mac and cheese wrap. From IMDb, the plot summary of Napoleon reads as follows. An epic that details the checkered rise and fall of French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte and his relentless journey to power through the prism of his addictive, volatile relationship with his wife, Josephine. Man, he's got the same relationship with his wife as I probably will with this mac and cheese wrap, I think. From KFC.com, the mac and cheese wrap features an extra crisp fried chicken tender topped with KFC's rich and gooey cheddar mac and cheese and finished with a sprinkle of three cheese blend. In the words of Napoleon, destiny has brought us these mac and cheese wraps. Oh, God. You know, I'm a huge fan of KFC. I love their extra crispy. I love their mac and cheese. Are you a mac and cheese guy in general? Um... I like a very small serving of mac and cheese. So if I go to like a barbecue place and they do, you know, a few meats and a couple sides, like I like a little cup of mac and cheese. The people who eat like a full, you know, cereal bowl of mac and cheese, I think are fucking lunatics. So this reminds me of a video I saw recently. A mukbang? I saw and I said to myself, I have to show this to Kevin in two months. (laughs) Uh, NBC. Yeah. Before the most recent or one of the Republican debates, Mm -hmm. they asked each of the candidates on the campaign trail, what is their favorite meal to have before a debate and after a debate? That's the dumbest question I've ever heard in my life. People said things like enchiladas or <laughs> McDonald's french fries. For before? Uh, yeah. Ron DeSantis said this. Oh, God. This might actually get my mom to listen. Pre-debate, you don't want to do anything to upset the apple cart. And after the debate, are you ravenous? Or are you, like, digging into a burger? Or what are you doing after yeah, the debate? We, we'll let her rip. If <laughs> Did he say you don't want to do anything to upset the apple cart? Is before that, the debate. Before the debate. And then you really let the apple cart rip after that. Let her rip. Let her rip. Wow, what a fucking non-answer by that guy. Just name two foods. No, I won't do that at all. I want to know what you think Ron lets rip. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. He lets his feet rip out of those lifted cowboy boots probably, <laughs> but I don't know what else he's letting rip. I don't even think that guy eats. I just don't. He doesn't seem like a human to me, so I don't know. I don't. I can't imagine him eating any food other than with a really dead look in his eye, just staring at a blank wall, shoving french fries into his mouth or something. But I don't know. What do you think that guy eats? I think he uh, he hops down to Wendy's. Mm-hmm. He has for one patty, mm-hmm. frozen, never fresh. Of course. And just kind of works on that all day. Just nods through it. Thaws uh-huh. it out as he goes. Thaws it in his mouth. You know, one time I asked... <laughs> I'm not proud of this. I was probably too old to be asking this question. But I had learned about, you know, sous vide and slow cooking meats at very low temperatures. And I asked a question on an internet forum. If I were to just chew, put a piece of raw steak in my mouth, would it eventually get somewhat cooked <laughs> at a solid 95 degrees or 96, 98 degrees fahrenheit and uh the responses were unkind is how i would characterize them um but then i realized you have to get it above 98 degrees for me to be good so would not work you're in luck because tonight's spoiler snack is just some uh, raw pork i do you know what pork maybe not but beef i'd probably go for a little tartare absolutely so before we dive into that food and movie uh we gotta do some nimble news but what do you say in honor of our short king Mm. let's do some nimbler news some Napoleon-sized nimble news. Napoleon's nimble news. Should we do it in Latin? <laughs> nimble news. Nimbler news is the part of the show where we actually review all things new as quickly as we can do. Mm-hmm. That means 15 words maximum per review, except for the, the name of the thing itself. Mm-hmm. I find this limiting exercise uh, to be good. I think yeah. we could use this. I would agree. Based on, I got some feedback over the holidays from my uh, cousin Lars, who said, stop making your episodes four hours long, please. And I said, Lars, I'm going to make them longer every time you ask. But uh, yeah, let's tighten it up. I have not prepared my 15 words, so this should be fun. I know you probably have a neatly typed 15 words You're improving word after word. That's how I like to do business, baby. That's how I do this whole podcast. (laughs) 
Uh, but you'll have a tight 15, so I'm excited to see the contrast between preparation and no preparation. I'm excited stuff. to hear your brain one synapse at a time. Beep, Pass that beep, baton. Beep, 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 beep. That's the pace. Would you like to start us off? Of course. Yep. Nathan, I listened to the album John Glazer's Soothing Meditations for the Solitary Dog. That's Glazer with an S. Album... <laughs> for your dog absolutely hilarious 20 minutes listen wow i don't want to know anymore yeah uh for the listeners kevin did just start counting syllables i did on, on his hands <laughs> and i realized i got to about six and i said hold on put a few of those back down the wonderful story of henry sugar mm. my favorite thing wes anderson's made in five years wow 40 minutes on Netflix. Watch now. Nice. Fuck, I forgot to say Spotify for mine. Uh, very similar structure, though, oddly enough. Our review, time, you know, listen, watch. I get it. Please don't destroy the legend of Foggy Mountain. Mm. Worth paying for Peacock for. If you love the skits, you'll love this. Conan is gold. I was iffy about that. I it's just tight runtime, you know. If it's literally an hour and a half long skit of theirs, like if you like those skits from SNL, you'll love it. It's funny that kind of like barrier for of interest that it. You're saying my recommendation has made you jump the wall to get in to watch this movie, whereas you never would have made that jump yourself. No, okay. what I mean to say is that if this exact same movie was on Netflix or a service I already had, yes. I would have watched it day one. Yeah. But because it's one I don't have, mm -hmm. it's in this weird zone where, like, if I ever do have Peacock, yeah. I will watch it. Yep. But it's not enough to sign up even for a free trial of Peacock. Yeah. See, I signed up for Peacock for SNL. So this is a bonus. And I figured nine bucks a month, that's like, you know, pay to go see a movie. I think a lot of exclusives on there. I had to watch that stupid Five Nights at Freddy's on there, too. You had to? Yeah. Is that your next one? No, I'm not going to talk about that. It's not a good movie. I think just there you said about 15 words. That's nope, perfect. That does not count. <clears throat> the Birds. A stone cold classic that is still terrifying after 60 years. Hitchcock? More like, this rocks. <laughs> oh, yikes. Wow. Should have improved that one, probably. Jalapeno Ranch Chicken Wrap at Jimmy John's and the Pickle Jimmy Chips. Jimmy Pickle Chips. I'm not sure what order that is, but this still only counts as the title of the item. <laughs> Rap was bland. Stick with bread. Pickle chips. Oh, yes. Very pickly. <laughs> Top tier. Wow. That's 16, but I'm going to go with it. My review that I had typed out for the pickle chips, I typed it as I ate chips. And it starts with O with four H's. Yes. With five S's. Very pickly, period. Solid flavor, great texture. Top tier. These are a hit. So pickly. You really maximize with the, with the extra letters. Yeah. You really pack a lot in there. I get my whole message across, I think. Buffalo Wild Wings Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce. Hmm. Bullet bourbon's great for cocktails. Pretty bad on chicken wings. Next up, Rumchata Ranch Dressing. Ugh. Sick part is I know you'd fucking eat that. <laughs> Yeah. The Burial. Jamie Foxx. Tommy Lee Jones. Great procedural courtroom movie. Really liked it. Watched on plane. It's on Prime, right? It is on Prime. You got Prime on planes? Uh, this I downloaded on my phone before oh, the flight. Okay. And then watched it. I forgot. Uh, the Maybe. last 20 years of technology. Yeah, you can do that now. Is that... You and I spoke recently about the movies that we need to watch before the end of the year versus the movies that we just need to watch sometime. Would you uh, call that an end of the year watch? It would be probably more likely to land on that list for me than wait till next year. Okay. So add that to your never ending list. All right. Fight Club. Mm. Believe it or not, I hadn't seen this until now. What? It's not for me. Yeah, okay. Haley hated it, too. Metamucil Fiber. I'm now 76. <laughs> and this shit has changed my life. Take 
more fiber. Stomach wins. I really like how this show is just a very long record of how our what we, what we put in our bodies changes as we get older. Yeah. I mean, they'll study this in uh, the downfall of civilization class. We're going to donate this pod to science. Yep. Priscilla. Ooh. A very good film about love and power. Like Napoleon, but with better accents, mama. Mm, not a bad, not a bad Elvis. You got a Priscilla? <laughs> Elvis! <laughs> All seven books of the Shadow and Bone series by Lee Bardugo. Name seems made up. <laughs> yeah. But these books are great. Little Y-A-E. That's one word. Young adult. What is the e this is all a... This is the parenthetical. What's the E stand Young for? adult E. Young adultish. Oh, like a Y, -A -E. y at the end. Yeah. E. Like Y-A-E. Yeah. Y-A-E. Like, like if you looked at it... Spot this out, is all say, parenthetical, by the way. This if is it, if it was spot out, it'd say yay. It would... Well, there'd be a dash. Y-A in caps dash Y. Yay. 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 Well, I would say Y-A-E, like I said, but then you got confused like it was the U-A-E, which is yeah, a very different, very different type of setting. Uh, I'm just trying to save on words here, and clearly and, that did not help. And end parenthesis. <laughs> Super fun, cool world. Read the books. Watching show next. The Curse on Showtime. Nathan Fielder's Unpredictable Humor. Benny Safdie's tense filmmaking, Emma Stone's acting prowess, just remarkable television. See, this is in that same zone where I don't have Showtime or Paramount you Plus. You watched it yet? I've not watched it yet. Kevin. I know. No, but, but see, I'm so glad you say that because, because this was this one is, that made you purchase. Yes. Yeah. And it is, it is at that level. Okay. We're like, no, no one does anything like Nathan Fielder or the Safties. I know and the Nathan. fact that it's the fact that it's it's this thing. It's like it's so exciting to watch something where moment to moment mm -hmm. I have zero idea what's going to happen next, which I can't say for like almost any shows. Like I, that's part of what I don't yeah. like about TV is the, the the formula of like it's episode three. It's time to do this now. Mm -hmm. Every <clears throat> direction it goes, I'm like, wow. I just love the creativity of these minds. Okay. And I'm it's, it's it. honestly, it's, I love it so much. It's like most shows on a different service like this. I would just say, I'm going to wait till it's over, mm -hmm. get it for a month mm -hmm. and I'm going to binge it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's such a, like a special little treat of my week. Is it coming out week by week? Yeah. On Fridays. Oh, how many episodes? In tomorrow? Are There's been three. I'm not sure how many there are in total. Okay. I'm going to, I'll, I'll, oh, fuck, I'll spend 10 bucks on Paramount plus. You just, you have to. No one else in my life is going to watch this show. I know. So you that's, have to. That's, I, I was hoping you were in the same boat as me and hadn't watched it yet, too. But now I feel like I'm missing out. Um, I've right. my job. I watched Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan series on Netflix, as well as The Fall of the House of Usher, the Mike Flanagan series on Netflix. Mm -hmm. After already having watched The Haunting of Hill House by Mike Flanagan, the series on Netflix. Mike Flanagan is a horror genius. Both these shows, I'm skipping of, this is another parenthetical, I'm skipping both of these shows to save words. You see how that works? I said <laughs> both these shows, end parentheses. You could also cut out these because we all know what the shows are. Both shows. So let's go back. Yeah. Yeah, let's. Mike Flanagan's a genius. Shows are amazing. How about that? I even took out these. Hmm. You added a word though, so. Uh, how about we say Mike, we'll say, because you already said who Mike Flanagan is. Yeah. So let's say. Flanagan is genius. Let's say I don't think anyone would not understand what that what that means. You're right. Unless they know so, okay. Flanagan from the top. Flanagan's genius on display. <laughs> Show, shows are phenomenal. Horror, fun, just great storytelling. <laughs> And that is exactly how much time we allotted for Nimbler News. Now let's dive into those KFC mac and cheese wraps <laughs> and Napoleon. So Kevin, we got some these mac and cheese wraps. We also got some uh, spicy slaw chicken wraps just because yeah. 
We're growing boys. One wrap's not going to be enough for me, even if it's stuffed to the brim with some of the most artery-thickening mac and cheese you can imagine. These wraps are stuffed with extra crisp fried chicken tenders topped with KFC's rich and gooey cheddar mac and cheese and finished with a sprinkle of three-cheese blend. Mm. Should we dive into these? Let's do it. It's going to take me a while to talk because this is so incredibly dry. Yeah, I've not hit any mac and cheese yet. Mm-mm. Let's keep going until we hit mac and cheese. How about that? Okay. Mm. Bite number two, still no mac and cheese. I'm I, found, I found it. I think I take much larger bites than you. I mean, the mac and cheese does help to moisten it up a bit. I'm conflicted because I'm not going to say no to some KFC chicken. Yeah. But um, it's about as bare bones as it gets. Very bare bones. It needs like a, maybe a barbecue sauce, like a barbecue mac and cheese or like a, I mean, just fucking some cheese sauce in there or something or some tomatoes or like i'm thinking like even like green onions like something to add just a little some kind of seasoning yeah because it is bland like salt and pepper even (laughs) seems like it would it would go a long way on this right because it is bland it is dry and that's you know wraps that can happen a lot happened with the jimmy john's one i tried not very good it's not bad i mean once you get to the mac and cheese it's actually chewable this makes me think of thanksgiving was last week Mm -hmm. and on Thanksgiving, I find myself kind of like creating little concoctions out of like two or three other foods. Maybe yep. you make a little leftover sandwich with mm-hmm. some turkey and stuffing and cranberry or whatever. Correct. This seems like if you were at a a gathering and these ingredients happen to all be out there, I'd be like, I'm going to make myself a little like chicken macaroni wrap. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Oh. But that's like the level of standard we're talking. It's yeah. just like, this is what I have. So this is what I'll make. I mean, I think if you, before you roll this up, you put a few lines of sriracha on this? Yeah. That's going to be a hit. I actually, I'm looking forward to the spicy slaw one more, too. I think. We got veggies. We got probably a little, you know, sauce oil to go in there. Well, yeah, so, this is, yeah. This is so a, let's scarf these. Okay. And get to that one. All right. All the mac and cheese was at the bottom of mine. And it's getting better with the more mac and cheese that comes in. They need to, like, take after Pancheros and, like, mix it up more you know like you know how chipotle doesn't mix up their burritos they got pockets everything in their burritos but pancheros they mix it up before they roll it so it's all evenly blended i think you chop up this chicken with the mac and cheese even just mix it all up a little bit and that's going to make it infinitely better but a little sriracha oof. you think chop it then fry it or fry it then chop it fry it then chop it we get all the little crumbs and crusties and everything but yeah i think between that and just like a chicken tender meal with mac and cheese as a side i'm probably going to go with the meal i don't know why i was like expecting them to do something with the tortilla, but it's like toasted or something. It is like off the shelf. Yeah, that is a. This is a, just a tortilla. Very basic white flour tortilla. Yeah, um, which I mean, I'm a big it, fan of eating those plain at home. I do it all the time. You and I like the uh, the cheese roll up from Taco Bell. Oh yeah, but see, that's they toast the tortilla. Like they're yep. they're doing something. It's not just a literal pull it out of the bag and put some cheese. I in mean, it. this is KFC's. I would assume their first interaction with tortillas. So. They just might not know their way around them yet. Give them a couple years. God, mac and cheese. I'm just, now I'm thinking we start our own mac and cheese burrito place. We grill the burritos, you know, to press once they're wrapped and rolled. But then we have it, we have it all chopped up on the inside there. Chicken, we got a barbecue mac and cheese chicken, maybe some pulled pork. You know, we got a south of the border one with some salsa and maybe some, I don't know, what kind of meat would go in there? Some barbacoa, some beef. And at the checkout, instead of upselling cookies, we have some Metamucil. Yes. Oh, God. You're going to need it. Not for our black bean burrito, because that's got plenty of fiber in it. <laughs> All right, spicy slaw. I'm into it. Oh, right off the bat. Oh, I'm loving that smell. Do you like uh, KFC's slaw? I can't remember the last time I had it. It's good. Let's do it. All right. Real quick. What's spicy about it? I was just going to say, let me look up the ingredient list because we just added this to our cart. We're improv all night. We're improv all night tonight. Okay. The spicy slaw chicken wrap uh, covers an extra crispy tender in a flavorful mix of KFC coleslaw, spicy sauce, and crunchy pickles. 
I'm not getting any pickles or sauce yet. I yeah, see I a pickle in my future, though. All right, so let's keep at it. Mm. Oh, yeah. So there is more going on here. Mm-hmm. But honestly, this needs some cheese. Cheese would be good on it. Yeah. It needs a little something. like A little cheese would go a long way. The spice is actually... You know, it's not too weak once you get to the once you get to the sauce. Um, texture of this one's a lot better though. The whole like moisture alongside the crispy chicken wrapped in a tortilla makes so much more sense than yes. just like mac and cheese. It does with some chicken. I think again they need to chop this all up, mix it up though, instead of just rolling it all up like this because I'm sick of the pockets. So their third chicken wrap is just a classic wrap, but it has crispy chicken tender. Crunchy pickles and creamy mayo. Maybe that would just be the best one. Yeah, that'd be that'd be for me. Because it's you classic. get the pickles, but also the mayo. Maybe yeah. that's just the balance that we need. Yeah, could be. Because when I said this needs cheese, I feel like mayo also would be like oh, it just needs a little bit of, something creamy. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, I mean, between these or the BK ones, which one are you picking? I like KFC's chicken more. Mm-hmm. BK has they've got the veggie mix. Yeah. On point. I, I just, th- I think what we're getting at is kind of the paradox of what uh, the thesis of this podcast is that we review interesting things. Yes. Right. We don't just go to like McDonald's and say, "Oh, we're going to review the thick burger." Yeah. <laughs> so the mac and cheese wrap is a fun, yeah. noteworthy thing. Agree. And as we talk through this, we pretty much agree. The regular wrap is probably the actually the best one. Yes. And we're getting the worst version of this. Yeah. What do we do about that? Does it matter? <sighs> Nothing matters in this terrible life we live, Nathan. No, I don't think it matters. I think, you know, we might have just saved one to ten people um, from making the same mistakes we did and not getting all three. Because <laughs> um, I think all three is the way to go. I honestly think if you were to take all the fillings of all three wraps, put them into one bigger tortilla yeah chop them up and roll them up that's what i'm saying like you need the cheese and the spice and and the the mayo mayo and the pickle yeah you want all of it i want it all but you know sometimes you just can't have it all why haven't we just like ordered a restaurant's entire menu and just put all in a blender why don't we record ourselves eating it too and just start doing mukbangs we'd probably make more money uh because we're not greedy nathan it's a passion it's a project of love we do this show to lose money. <laughs> that's right. We- <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's why we do it. To tell people what not to eat. You know what I just found out, Nathan? And I know this might be an abrupt transition, but you still have your snack wrap left. Uh, Ridley Scott directed Matchstick Men. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I just recently learned that too. I love that movie. I loved it as a kid. One of my favorites. Uh, Nick Cage, Sam Rockwell. And the girl, I think, turned out to be somebody kind of famous. Allison Lohman. When you think Ridley Scott, there's like five to ten classic movies that come to mind. But then when you really go through his filmography, you realize he's done so much stuff that it makes you wonder, like, does he not have as much of a a fingerprint on his work as you think? Because, like, how is it there's all these things that you don't even realize? Like, you can't say the same for, like, Scorsese or David Fincher. Yeah. Or, like, Tarantino. Like, they have... It's unmistakable. Yeah. I think he likes to take shots. I mean, House of Gucci... It still blows my mind that he made that. Um, but he took a shot, you know? And it seems like he just doesn't. Not that he doesn't care about his craft or the things he makes, but, like, he's going to make the movie he wants to make, and he doesn't really give a shit what people think about it. And he will say that literally <laughs> yeah, on his press tour. He will absolutely come right out and say it. Uh, I believe he was told uh, about the French having criticisms of Napoleon, and his response was, the French don't even like themselves. Which, you know... The guy's not far off. Um, I I love that about him, though, because his movies are really unapologetic, and he doesn't compromise things stylistically, I feel like. Like, with The Last Duel, like, that's a movie that, A, was super long, B, was in a format that I don't think a lot of people liked, but he stuck with it and just made it, and, and he, made a great movie, in my opinion. I think part of why he, maybe his signature style isn't as prevalent is because he doesn't write many of his movies. Yeah. Unlike many of the most acclaimed auteur directors who, like, they're writer-directors. Yeah. They put their stamp on a story. Yeah, he hasn't written any of them, it looks like. Which is interesting. But I think he's got a good knack for taking other people's writing and 
translating that really well to the screen and how they wanted it to be. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep getting all these projects with great people. So this movie is two hours and 38 minutes long. It is. Uh, we saw it in IMAX together. and Right next to each other. Uh, you just so happen to be there. Mm-hmm. Soon, there will be a four-plus-hour director's cut on Apple TV+. Plus. Will you be watching that, mm-hmm. and why or why not? Great question. I want to preface this by saying I still haven't watched his director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven, which I think is another four-hour-long version that he thinks is like a significantly better film. Well, I think everyone thinks that. That was a movie that people hated until mm-hmm. the director's cut, and people like it a lot more. Yes. Yeah, so, so maybe the same will happen. Maybe it'll... Maybe not. Uh, if the four-and-a-half-hour version of this movie comes out on Apple, I want to have a party have people over to watch it because I adored this movie. And I, I, I mean, it's two and a half hours long. I was going into it very excited, had heard a few things. Like you said, me and you both said at the end, like, I really wish we wouldn't have known anything about it. Mm -hmm. Cause I think a lot of people are going into this movie expecting a battle epic, like gladiator or like trying to think of a good medieval, like Braveheart or something. Um, that really focuses around him and the battles, what he does, how he's a tactician, things like that. And this is not that movie at all. Parts of it are that movie. Parts of it are that movie, but a lot of parts of it are the farthest thing from that type of movie. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but to anyone listening, if you're interested in seeing this, I would say pause this right now. Yeah, I would agree. Right this moment, because we're about to explain why it is not that. Yeah. And I wish that I didn't know those things going into it. So I would just say, yes, if you want to see it, pause it, come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am completely on the same page as Let's you. Let's go. And my answer to the question was also, we will be watching it together yes, with please. as many people as possible. Yes. I. <clears throat> so I posted that I saw this, I think, on, on well, my Instagram, I'll say. So you're not um, held accountable for any of my views. And I had a lot of... People ask me, like, what do you think? You know, and I, I said, I loved it. And I had many people reply, are you serious? Or you have to be joking. And I, I think it's the crowd that went in expecting a very no-nonsense, historically accurate thing about one of one of, one of the great leaders uh, of back in the day. And I use the term great loosely, but you know what I'm saying. Um, and this is a movie about a weird little guy and how he got to power. But a lot of it is about him being a weird little guy. Uh-huh. And I think those were some of my favorite parts. And, and I think in the theater we were in, it was us. And then it looked like everyone else was about 40 years older than us for the most part. And I, I was glad I saw it in a theater because I think a lot of people, if they watch this at home, they won't hear the other people laughing. Like it was really nice to have a bunch of other people laughing at these parts because not Everyone in the theater was. And I think if I was the only one laughing, I would have been a little more uncomfortable. But I was glad that other people were kind of in on it. and Because you all had this collective experience of, is this supposed to be funny? Yes. But once you get past that and you realize this is a comedy. 100%. Then it is a blast. It is so much fun. And I think that is what's really making people not like it. Is they're not expecting it to be a comedy. It is It is a movie to explain how one of the greatest leaders in the world wasn't that fucking great. He knew which way to point cannons and he was a creep. Uh, and like, boom, done. And he could barely talk to people. Like he was, he was very not great at talking to people or diplomacy or anything like that. And it's so much fun to see somebody like that shown in this light. You know, instead of just like glorified or demonized as, as this little guy often is, unfortunately. Um, I think it's so much fun to just be like, yeah, he's probably a little fucking weirdo. <laughs> like, it's just the things. And I, you know, I've read a lot about how he didn't even make Joaquin audition for this role. He let him kind of run with the character. And it just makes me love Joaquin Phoenix so much more for him to just lean into like this weird you, little boy. Have you heard how Ridley decided that? He put a little paper hat on a picture of Joaquin Phoenix, I think. And <laughs> it said, was, wow, he looks like him. But it was after he actually had someone else in mind who he's not named that person. Hmm. After he saw Joker, oh, he said, that's the guy. Really? And because he's another weird little freak. <laughs> yeah. And it, this is, it's such a deconstruction of like, a historical myth of the great man, yeah. the great men who turned the gears of history. What if they were just 
horn dogs. What if they were just in the right place at the right time for most of the life? And like you win a few battles, boom, you're the fucking king of France. Like it's just it's such a fun movie. I think it's so much fun. And I think Ridley Scott is why it's so much fun. He knows it's so well balanced in the fact that like you get these little vignettes of him being a little weirdo at home and then it's him being a great leader on a battlefield and fucking killing it. Uh, but then it's boom, right back to him being a little weirdo, insecure um, guy. And it's just for a two and a half hour long movie, it, it goes by pretty fast because I think you get a lot of that back and forth. So I criticized Killers of the Flower Moon on our yeah. last episode for feeling like it's kind of accomplishing two goals yeah. story wise. Mm-hmm. Napoleon, more than anything, it, it feels like you gave a premise to two different screenwriters. Yes. And then you mashed those screenplays up and you made it into a movie. Yeah. Like it, it could not be more the disparity between the massive war epic oh. and the it's like a screwball comedy between yeah. these two great actors. But the difference between my experience watching this versus Killers of the Flower Moon is that that's a movie where it's like the importance of getting that tone right. It mm-hmm. just it feels like it's just heavier. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this every scene, I'm like, that was cool as shit. <laughs> that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. That was cool as shit. Yeah. And it's just back and forth. It is. And I was so entertained. It's it's that's that's why I don't get how people don't like it. Like I really. Unless you hate all the little awkward scenes that aren't battle scenes, which, like, do some fucking research then before you go. I don't You know I don't what it, it's made me think of? Not that it has anything in common with this movie really at all. It's kind of this year's Babylon in that mm. if someone comes to me and says, I hated that movie, I, I don't really have, like, an argument for them. It's like, yeah. I don't, I can disagree. I don't have, like, a defense for it beyond, like, I'm sorry you didn't have a great time. Yeah. Because I did. Yeah. I'd say it's like this year's ambulance. Uh, it's a movie by a phenomenal director who's just having a blast with it and doesn't care at all. Uh, but no, I, I do kind of agree with you on that front. I mean, it's just Joaquin and Vanessa Kirby are phenomenal on screen. The supporting cast are all literally looked like they've just been, he froze people he used as extras in gladiator for 30 years and then brought them back. They look like they're from like, the French and Roman empires. Like they are all just these chiseled features. And I think their performances are all great. Like there's not a bad performance in these Um, sets and costumes. Amazing. The battle scenes are so good. There is no one that does that. Like Ridley Scott. No, no. I mean, there are directors from like a hundred years ago that made these huge epics, but there's no one today who makes movies like this Mm -hmm. because frankly, most directors can't even, they don't have the leverage to ask for, $50 $50 million or $100 million to make a movie like this. Like they just, you do it on a smaller scale. You do it with CG. Ridley Scott got thousands of people wearing actual costumes yeah. and had them recreate Waterloo. Which is so fucking cool. <laughs> like, oh, to be a big name director, to have the ability to say like, well, no, I'm not going to use CGI. Like, I, I want this to happen. I'm going to film it and it's going to be real. And it makes it, you can just feel how like dirty it is and how the conditions must have been so terrible and like how it's just, it's such a better way to show it because you are just there with them instead of being like, Oh, that's something far away. That looks kind of shitty. It just looks so good. The stars of this film, I talked about how one thing that makes a huge difference is that he uses so many cameras Mm -hmm. that he never has to get a second shot of anything. There is scenes in this film where he used 11 cameras. But what that means is that you can just tell, like have people battle it out for hours. And like, you can of course direct things, but you don't have to say, Oh, wait, hold it. Mm -hmm. We're now going to get a reverse shot Mm -hmm. of that really cool thing. They're just filming everything from every angle. Well, it's perfect because then you feel like you're, you feel like you're getting these different viewpoints of just people who are in the mix. You know, you feel like you're, it's like, you know, you think of like, uh, saving private Ryan when they're like storming the beach and it's just frantic and, things bullets whizzing by and you're just in the mix but popping from one point of view to another and it's it's i mean the battle scenes are just phenomenal they're just i mean there's nothing cooler than a line of horses charging into battle and a camera going right along the side with them it just there's something instinctual about that that just makes you want to stand up and fight somebody like it just gets me going you mentioned the uh the cannons yeah now 
I'm sure we could look up the actual history of Napoleon's relationship with cannons and then we could learn why that was his thing and no one else's. But just based on this movie, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, why do you think no one else had cannon? Is it really just that (laughs) he had cannons and no one else did? I think he saw their importance and had enough power to force people to carry and transport huge amounts of cannons out to the middle of fucking nowhere to win a battle. I don't think a normal general can say, well, we need to bring the cannons because they'd be like, who the fuck's going to carry them? Um, I think in that sense, this sounds sarcastic, but I'm being serious. He kind of is like uh, like a tech bro who yeah. like has the advantage of having a new tech first mm-hmm. yeah. and just becomes a billionaire well, off of that. Yeah. it's. I think in one of the kind of one of the first scenes, you know, he's cannons are a huge part of it, but the type of thing they're shooting out, you know, he says we need mortars instead of cannonballs, which, you know, they shoot above boats and explode and rain down fire instead of just a cannonball, you know, blowing a hole. Yeah. And it's stuff like that that you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. A lot of, you know, I didn't know that they were launching that shit back in the day. I've watched a lot of pirate movies, normally just cannonballs. Um, and he's even the cannons. It's to the point that it's a running gag It is where every time he's faced with a problem, Cannons. Cannons. Like the cannons. I won't go into specifics, but there was a moment when it's like cameras pointed this way towards impending danger. Yeah. Camera pans the other way and there's cannons. It pans back and it's just danger's gone. And yeah, and just blood stained ground, people are destroyed. Yes. I mean that's that that is comedic (laughs) filmmaking. And it's it's so Well, he even says at one point, like, I know where to aim cannons, or like I may know how to aim cannons. Yeah, he like criticizes basically the geometry yeah. of other people's cannon aim. Yep. He's like, they don't know where to aim the cannons. Like, I do. Can it be that hard? And, but it's, just this guy knows. But that's the thing is he's he says I think the line is like, I just know where to point cannons. And that's I, I sometimes I can't, you know, translate that to other people. But you have to learn to accept the failures of others. <laughs> which is I think the funniest fucking line in the whole movie. But it is ugh, it's so good. And he's just He's so confident he's great. He's so confident he's going to win every battle. It, uh, there's just so many. Like, I'm, it says I'm the first to admit when I make a mistake, I simply never do. Like, he's <laughs> there's just, such good one-liners. It's so The writing in this is so good. And that's what, between battle scenes, that sharp, hilarious writing should be enough to sustain anybody. Except for people who don't like this movie. Which, again, I don't know. Like you said, I don't know what to say to them other than watch it again. With funnier people around you. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. I don't even know. I think that most people who see this are going to have no interest in watching a four-hour cut of it. Yeah. I cannot wait. <laughs> I can't wait either. I can't wait either because... And, and there's been hints at what more there is that we're going to see in the well, director's it's be cut. And it's battle. a lot more of Josephine. Good. There's like specific stuff that Vanessa Kirby has talked about that they filmed that oh, sounds hell great. Yeah. And I, Let's go. I can't wait for it. Before we get off the cannons, I don't think it's a reach to say that this movie is drawing parallels. It's like, it's about male virility, Mm, mm -hmm. the cannons, and what goes on in the bedroom. Yeah. It's like juxtaposing those in a way that, like, this guy's sexual struggles or conquests, Mm -hmm. there is a direct link. And, like, when I say all this, I'm aware, and I'm sure you're aware, historical accuracy is out the window window with this movie and there's so much of this is just completely provably false Mm -hmm. or it just made up from nothing which is great (laughs) yeah that's that's the thing that's why i say it it feels like a deconstruction of a myth more than about this man because like it's the premise is like what if the most powerful men were simps yeah (laughs) and like that would be wouldn't that be so fun to explore i want a whole series from ridley scott i'll give him 200 million (laughs) dollars every year any leader he picks, make him a little weirdo. I would love that so much. I'd love it so much. I like that analogy, though. You're right. You know, he's he's trying to have a kid. He's trying to hold little baby France in his arms too. Keep them safe. Is he shooting blanks? We don't know. Well, don't in the know. battles, he's definitely not. <laughs> um, at home, maybe. at home, it's a geometry issue. <laughs> it is. You just might not know where to point it. Um, but yeah, I I think this movie is so well balanced, so well paced. So well put together, as Ridley tends to do, um, and just so weird. And if listeners of this show don't know that me and you enjoy the weird, uh, they've been missing a lot of our episodes. But um, I just, I 
I loved it. I walked the first note I put was just one bullet point that just said wow because I just it was it was not fully what I expected going in. Um, I thought it would lean heavier towards the battle and have like a little bit of weirdo stuff, but it, it's like a even even split. But I I just I walked out happier than I think I would have if it was more battle oriented. Yeah, it actually kind of made me think about I I mentioned it kind of jokingly, but Priscilla. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've seen that yet. Have you? Uh, yeah, that's. A movie that completely omits one point of view right it's about elvis but also not at all about elvis yeah and that's a bolder creative choice i do think you could really literally just cut this movie down to like an hour and a half version that's yeah. just like the josephine and napoleon yeah. stuff and probably would be like a more a bolder choice yeah. just to do that but i at a point you just have to say like we're making a movie about napoleon mm-hmm. and there's all these great historical events that kind of have to be in this movie yeah you know so even though it feels like two different things put together mm-hmm. i'm digging all of it yeah and I'll, yeah. I'll and i'll take four hours i mean i would be happy if you were to have released a two-hour josephine and a two-hour napoleon right same day i mean that's like the last duel if you remember yeah. like the different portions of that story were literally written by different people yeah um you mentioned you and i love weird another thing that you and i both love is commitment to a bit oh my god and one of my favorite things in the world is when you see (laughs) maybe we're watching like snl and you see somebody pop up and you can tell their costume took somebody days to make and they have one line yep and even if that line's dumb it's so much funnier knowing how much work went into that they've been in makeup for four hours getting their prosthetics put on and stuff and the fact that they spent so many millions of dollars recreating these exquisite costumes and yeah. ornate buildings yeah. just to set the scene for Joaquin Phoenix to be like, Destiny brought me this lamb chop. <laughs> I enjoy my meals. It's so funny. It's fucking hilarious. And his, I don't even know. I, I don't think there's spoilers for this movie. I mean, are there? Are we going to get into yeah, spoilers? Yeah, we're, we're going to wait. Okay. I, I definitely think there's things we can spoil. I mean, I, I didn't know. Yeah. That's all fair. The That's fair. Ups and downs of Napoleon's yeah, yeah. career. Um but yeah, the funny he Joaquin is fully committed to being this character, both when he's on the battlefield and when he's at home. And it is such a juxtaposition between those two personalities. It is literally like somebody gave him like a twenty dollar bill on set and was like, just do this one kind of goofy. Like be real silly with this one. And it just it's it's so fun to watch him snap back and forth. It's just an absolute treat. I listened to a good interview with Vanessa Kirby. Um, I think it's the Little Gold Men podcast. And she talked about how like that humorous tone really, they found that while filming. Like, of course, yeah. these lines are, are on paper. Mm-hmm. But like her and Joaquin, they just yeah. kind of like it became more of a comedy yeah. as they filmed. And that's kind of what Ridley said. He just let them kind of run with it. And they both went down that comedic. And it's like. That's how it should be. That's exactly why I make us this stoic, serious, boring life at home when people are weird. We're all weird at home. We're We're all little freaks. We've always been weird. Hundreds of years, thousands of years. Um, And why not have like, it's those little things you do at home, like with your kids or with your significant other, where you, you have like your own little language almost or like your own little noises that mean things your own little sayings <laughs> mm-hmm. and they hit on that so many times in this movie you're just like that is absolutely something that somebody would do at home to like start to initiate you know sexual interaction isn't <laughs> his is just going and it's napoleon who's making these weird little sounds and it's just oh my god it is it is a blast and i can't wait to watch the four hour one we should do another episode on the four hour one i think um, I thought Vanessa Kirby was wonderful in this. Yeah. She's MC. been the MVP supporting role of two movies this year. This and Dead Reckoning. Mm. I feel like she, she's so good. She's really good. I always am excited to see her in anything. I think her performance in this is... I mean, she goes through quite the arc herself. And it's fantastic uh, to watch. So I, I would love to see her get some recognition. I don't know if it's... I don't know if she will, but... Very good. Very good performance by her. Yeah, something tells me... This one's going to get lost in the mix. Yeah, so Oscar-wise, yeah. what do you think will happen? Nomination? Maybe costume or like production design. Yeah, those are the two I wrote down. Um, I doubt anything else. I would yeah. love 
to see Joaquin get nominated for this, but I don't see it happening. Her, I could maybe see, but I don't know. You think she'd be lead actress, or do you think she'd be supporting actress? I think hmm. she'd probably be lead actress. I it's weird. I mean, it's it's so fuzzy. I feel like they'd probably campaign her in supporting only because the movie is just called Napoleon. Yeah. It was called something else. Even I feel like she could make I would agree. more of an argument I that she's agree. lead. Did you know that it was originally supposed to be Jodie Comer in this role? Interesting. And it was only because of scheduling conflicts. Really? That so she wanted to keep her from the last duel. Yeah. Which I, I see her doing well in this role, too. Yeah, I like her. I I just feel like Vanessa Kirby has so much of this performance is just... The looks. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the eyes. It's the gaze. She's got, a, she's got a fierce gaze at some point. Yes. And she... I think she... Yeah. She's just very... Um, I think her stature overall too is is more imposing on on Napoleon, which I think is a, a nice little adds another sort of interesting layer to their relationship. Yeah, uh, of of why he might even be more insecure. Her Mission Impossible performance also had in that Tom, last Tom portion. Cruise on a soapbox <laughs> for most scenes. <laughs> she also it had so much to do with the eyes because if you remember that last portion where oh. she's playing. One person and also playing someone else disguised as that person. Yep. And you can tell in her face yeah. that she's a different person yes. behind that mask. And that's it's so just, difficult yeah. as an actor. Yeah. She's great. I'm excited to see what she does more of. I mean, she's already been in a ton of good stuff, but I know she's going to be the next Mission Impossible. I actually looked up her upcoming projects. She's in that new Eden movie, which is with Jude Law and Sidney Sweeney and Anna oh, Armas, yeah. the Ron Howard movie. The best looking cast. Sign me ever. up. Yeah. Uh, she's apparently heavily rumored to be Sue Storm, which, okay. sure. Sure. Um, she's going to be in next year's Bone in the Throat, which is based on the Anthony Bourdain novel. Oh, shit. And okay. uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2. That's all in the next year or two. Joaquin's year ahead. Oh, okay, God. so he's got Joker Folia do. Yep. Which is probably the most intriguing movie on next year's slate. I cannot wait to see a musical I'm with him and Lady Gaga. Very excited for that. I'm very excited for that. And then he has two what sound like very small scale, like two hander movies, both of which are starring him and his wife, Rooney Mara. Both. One of them is directed by Paul Pawlikowski. Shit, who, who did, did Cold, Cold War? War, which we loved. Oh, that's such a good movie. And then the next one is called Polaris. This is the plot description. Set in Alaska during the 1890s, an ice photographer meets the devil. Oh my fucking God. Let's go. I am going to watch everything he ever does. Oh, and that one's directed by uh, Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, who did uh, You Were Never Really Here. Yeah, and we need to talk about Kevin. We do. Uh, we do need to talk about me. But wow, that is... I'm fucking pumped for that one. Is that Are those all coming out next year, supposedly? I'm not sure if that's all next year, but coming soon. Wow. Well, we're in for some treats. Yes. Ugh. And I, you know I what? Think, I think I we... love treats. <laughs> now, this treat in this box right here we're about yeah, to dig into... You have a whole cake box that you got delivered from KFC. Before we get into that, yeah. let's hear a word from our sponsors. Okay. Is your taco shop struggling? Are people complaining about getting bites of only rice or only meat after chowing down on your burritos? Well, now's the time to call Big Bob's Burrito Consultants. We'll send our team of passionate, professional rollers out to your restaurant to teach your staff how to mix up and perfectly balance all ingredients you want to put into a tortilla. How to roll it up tight to ensure minimum spillage, and how to get that perfect balance of wet and dry throughout every burrito. If your burritos are bombing, call Big Bob's Burrito Consultants today. Use code mix that shit up, you absolute idiots at Chipotle. I mean, Jesus Christ, you have to have gotten this feedback before for 10% off. And we're back. It's time for our spoiler snack segment, the part of the show where we spoiler all of Napoleon's life mm -hmm. and we eat a snack. Kevin, close those eyes. <laughs> I, I, oh, before I do this, describe the box. It's the literal cake box. That is a box that a cake comes in. Uh, probably like a 10 by 10 box. Um, about three inches tall. About three, three, three to four, inches, to four tall. inches tall. Sure. Yeah, we'll give you four on a good day. Yeah, I, I, I would guess it's something in a pie tin. Probably a big ass cookie. All right, now close your eyes. Okay. Because it's Kevin, not cake. Fuck, before, do they, they do cake, don't they? Before you open, mm. if you look down, you will see a surprise. 
Once you see it, you will always want it. <laughs> oh, it is a giant cookie. It's just brownies. brownies. It's brownies. It's okay. an entire. It's a very pan of brownies. unsettling color. It is. Uh, it's not quite brown. It's more flesh colored. <laughs> And that's why I was like, is that a cookie? Is that a brownie? Is that... Imagine if you mix the color of brownies and blonde brownies. Yeah. Right in between. That's yeah. the color of these brownies. And they look raw? These are um, raw? Yeah, I did specify raw. Is this raw. like a take and bake situation? <laughs> um, that's a lot of brownies. What do you say we cut some up? Ah. <laughs> nah. All right. Yeah, I guess we could. So, you guessed that it was raw. I think it was actually probably baked weeks ago. Based on how it is falling apart. Yeah, it's a little stiff. A little stiff on the top, but it feels very hey, moist. Hey, it does me. feel really moist. Um, put that there. So, to be clear, the middle is that nice dark brownie color. Yeah. It's just the top is like a top thin layer of crunch. Weird. I take back every bit of skepticism. This is a good brownie. This is a rich brownie. So rich. Much better than what I expected. It tastes like they went to the store, bought some brownie mix, made the brownies. There's, they're not doing anything special here. I don't know. You really love it, they're huh? good brownies. I mean, it, yeah, it's brownie mix. I'd say like, they're, they're good brownies. I wouldn't say they're good brownies. I'd say they're good, they're good brownies. It is that perfect texture level where it's like... Crunchy and soft. Barely cooked enough. Yeah. Baked enough. Legally, I think they're in <laughs> risky territory here. But I think the kernel is legally invincible. He might be. He probably knows a few lawyers. Uh, you're taking that home because I don't want that giant thing of brownies. In the words of Napoleon, no dessert for you. <laughs> what a line. That line alone in this movie is so fucking funny. That line, if you don't understand it's a comedy when he says that line in response to being told that his wife is cheating on him. <laughs> <laughs> like that is... That is peak comedy. That's absolute peak comedy. That's Nathan Fielder level shit to reply to that news with a you're, you're not getting dessert. So that's going to do. You took my knife away. Yeah, I did. So I'm just going to. Yeah, it's there. yours. I mean, do you want me to bring the knife back? No, I guess you want not. a fork? I guess we'll do our podcast. So you're going to do the podcast with a pie tin in your hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Napoleon is to Josephine as I am to these brownies. In a very unhealthy relationship. <laughs> I think that tracks. If you take these brownies from me, I will probably have to be exiled. You will be nothing. You are nothing without those brownies. France will fall if I take those away from you. So I think the best place to start with the plot of Napoleon is probably all the things in this movie that didn't actually happen. Yeah. Um, turns out he didn't shoot the pyramids. But what a way to show that he took Egypt. I mean... Just amazing that whole that whole part in Egypt. It's so it's such an interesting like way to tell that he took Egypt. Like it's literally him firing at the pyramids, and then he goes and just cracks open a sarcophagus, and like that's pretty much it. And then he's just like, "All right, I've had enough of this," uh, and that's that's all it is. But that interaction when they crack open the sarcophagus and he goes up to like look at the mummy inside, and like puts his hat on top of the sarcophagus. <laughs> it's like that is. I want to know if that was in the script or if that's just Joaquin being Joaquin. Yeah, it like, really feels like something he just because the hats are everything. Oh my in this movie. god, the hats in this movie. The, the the hats alone should win an Academy Award. They should have a best hats category. His hat is phenomenal throughout. Everyone's got some extravagant headwear in this. The crowns, um, yeah, man, the costumes across the board are just fucking great. Turns out he did not actually charge into battle with his cavalry. I believe that. At any point. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, especially not Waterloo. Yeah. Uh, there was also no giant frozen lake at Austerlitz. But the thing about that scene is it fucking rules. It really fucking so rules. Who cares? I, like, I thought he lays this beautiful trap, you know, where he wants them to march in. They don't know that they're marching on a fucking frozen lake, which is like a little questionable. But you see that big wide open space. And if you're from the Midwest, you kind of think <laughs> there's a lake there. I think there might be a lake there. Uh, and then once they realize the lake's there and it's revealed to us that the lake's there, it's like a fucking, it's like when you're at the top of a roller coaster 
And the second that ice is revealed is right when you get to the top. Uh-huh. And then from there, I just was hands up screaming, having so much fun for the next like 10 minutes. I <laughs> wish there was a hidden camera getting our faces. Oh my during God. Moments, that, they would show thing. that instead of the trailer on TV. <laughs> they say, you could feel as good as these two <laughs> who are holding hands, standing up, up in the air. And the rest of the crowd <laughs> is just looking confused yeah. at the screen. Because <laughs> that scene kicks so much ass that it is, it is, it's impossible to express and i hope in the four hour edition that's like a 30 to 40 minute battle scene because i could watch it all fucking day it 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 is just masterful mm, action set piece mm, filmmaking no one does it like this no it's phenomenal it's so fucking good and like it's it's cavalry it's infantry it's cannons and artillery but all coming in at different times from different angles and and it's just the ebb and flow of it is so much fucking fun to be a part of. And then you have Napoleon standing there just now, now, now that, now that. And it's just such a well-executed plan he has. And then just the imagery of people falling through this frozen lake and horses falling through this frozen lake. Um, really Scott said himself, he'd never heard an animal. They use rubber horses, which mm-hmm. look astoundingly real. Yes. Um, that was my thought. Watching, I'm like, how did they do this? Yes. But it was, I mean, some of those shots, when you first break through the water and you get, you know, a horse or a soldier that falls in and then the blood comes in after and it's this beautiful, like, it's it's just so fucking gorgeous. And it's such an ugly thing to show, but, but to make it that beautiful is astounding. It's just, that battle scene might have been the peak other than the weird stuff for me in this movie. Like, I ate that up and will happily watch that 45 more times. Did you ever see The Death of Stalin? I never saw that with Buscemi. Yeah, and that's from the creator of Veep. It has that same kind of like kind of absurdist comedic tone. And I was reminded of that while watching this because like all the moments when one person is in charge and then suddenly everyone else gets mad at them and then they get killed Mm -hmm. or they're taken out of power. When you're in constant revolution, it's just insane. (laughs) And and like the, the scene when... When Napoleon is about to be, I don't know, killed or, yeah. or removed, he runs out, just convinces some soldiers, like, hey, they're trying there, to kill me. Yeah, they're traitors to France. Yeah. And then the soldiers come in and he says, want to vote now? Yeah. It's so, him running away from them is so funny because it just shows how much of a coward he might have been or probably was. Like, he's just running for his life from like a room of, of 20 like diplomats who, Sure, might want to kill him, but he he hits the stairs, falls down the stairs, gets outside. It's like there's uh, soldiers holding the door, like stopping these people from coming out, but there's mm-hmm. still a crack. And he's like trying to get through and hit them still, like with one hand through the door. And him shouting, they're trying to kill me, was just like, again, comedy gold. Like, it's just so funny. And the power he has to get him to go back. Yeah, when he says... Because they surround everyone, guns pointed, and you're like, what's he going to say? You think he's going to give, like, a speech or, like, you know, get rally these people back to his side and say, like, you know, I'm going to be the leader you want. Like, you know, I'm going to save this country. And then just to say, should we vote? <laughs> is um, It's just astounding. And there's so many moments like that in this movie where you're just like, it's the last thing I would have expected him to say or do. It's just, ugh. And, and whether or not moments like that actually happen, it's, there's Erroneous. something... Profound in the the history books are written on all these fragile moments in time when like one person just happened to have the influence to convince some people don't kill me kill them yeah, yeah. and then they become the most powerful people in the world it's crazy and it's it's played for laughs most of the way but then at the end it's actually kind of moving when he comes back to France and he's the soldiers because he's exiled yeah and they're supposed to keep him away and he appeals to their their honor he's like hey like Remember me? Yeah. My dudes. Yeah. It's me. Bring it in. And they're like, oh, come on. We like yeah. this guy. And I was like, man, like he actually, like he earned that. I mean, right? France, lovely guy. He was crushing for him for a long time there. Um, they didn't know how much of a weird guy he was, <laughs> but uh, he did him. He did him well for a while there. Um, yeah. That scene, <laughs> that scene where the soldiers kind of come back to him. I really thought for a second they were going to like take him out there. Because it's a little tense, but I was like, ah, that was one scene I didn't love. But everything else I loved. Because it just didn't seem believable. But I guess a lot of this movie doesn't <laughs> seem believable. So One scene that I know you loved 
so there's all these, I don't know what their position is, but all Attendance. these, all these men who are, oh. uh, forced to resign uh. to put a new three council leadership in yeah. place inc- that includes Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And, um, these men are all woken up early in the morning and they're told like, Hey, you have to resign or else. And we some have. of them run and some of them give in. Yep. Uh, one of them says at breakfast. Yeah. Well, I'm having this succulent meal <laughs> and I need, I need you to explain why you and I lost our minds. One of my, the theater. one of my favorite dumb videos online ever is a infamous credit card scammer getting arrested at a restaurant. He would always eat these huge meals, never pay or use somebody else's credit card. And he's getting arrested by the British police. And he's just, he's got this very formal accent. And he's just shouting all these things like, get your hands off me. And what's, he's saying, for what crime? For what crime? Enjoying a succulent Chinese meal. And he says it with this this gusto. And so that line comes out. I'm enjoying a succulent breakfast. I don't think our heads have ever <laughs> turned quicker to each other in a theater with huge glowing grins on our face. And we just both started dying because it was delivered. It has to be. It has to be it, somebody's nod. It that. has to be a reference. There's no way it's not. Whether it's the writer or like an actor improv. It has it to has be a to reference be. to it that. Has even, to be. even if it's subconsciously. Because it is a man getting arrested for a crime he's not sure. Well, and he says, I'm eating a succulent <laughs> meal. I I could not handle it. This uh, is democracy manifest. Get your hands up. No, it's, oh my God. Yeah, that absolutely floored me. Yeah, search succulent Chinese meal on YouTube. Yeah, Charles Doza is the guy. Uh, but succulent Chinese meal will get you there. And it is a it is an absolute treat of a video, but yeah, that line I need to, we need to figure out more about how that happened in this movie. Who who can we talk to to say we get we get that reference? <laughs> we get you. Yeah. We see you. Yeah, uh, um, because no one else in our theater saw it. I, I don't doubt think, it because no. they were all I think quite annoyed by us. They were because we started hilariously laughing right after that line, uh, and it was <laughs> without that context, probably not as funny. <laughs> But still a great scene. Yeah, that when they're taking that over that whole kind of council thing, it's it's a great that's a great kind of montage uh, of how easy it was back then. Grab a couple troops and head over to someone's house and say, "You're quitting. Here's the paper. Sign it, or you're gonna die or get arrested." Uh, it's perfect. The guy knew what he wanted. Uh, knew what he had to do to get it. Got it. Good. It is. Yeah. Every I I feel like how they deal with the timeline, like the jumps from bit to bit, like. You know, going from a huge battle to like these little political moments or these intimate moments with his wife. Uh, I, re- I just really like how they move it forward because it's never like a we're moving two months every time or we're, it's it's either big life events or big interpersonal events or things like that. But it's not just like a set kind of pace in that sense. Uh, I just, I, yeah, feels like there's no extra meat hanging on it. It's pretty well trimmed, but apparently there's an hour and a half of extra meat. That's gonna I, I think it's so... The scope is so big that I'm sure the four-hour m- version of this will be just as enjoyable. And also, like I said, you could have cut it way down. And it would have still been very enjoyable. It's yeah. like there's just so much there. There's nothing in this movie that is so essential yeah. that you couldn't cut it. I mean, maybe some of like the big battles and things yeah. like that. But it's like so much of this is like frivolous. Yeah, it's almost like slice of life. Like here's yeah. just what life was like in their kitchen when they were just talking about something. Mm -hmm. But I get why people will be frustrated that this doesn't, it doesn't feel like a movie where they set out to do a very specific thing. It feels like one where they just set out to kind of explore ideas. I fully agree. And I, I mean, that's gotta be huge props to Ridley Scott for saying, we kind of know the story we want to tell. Let's just see, you know, how these little vignettes and how these little stories go. Like Mm -hmm. we'll put it together as we go. And what a great way to make sure you have a four-hour director's cut because you probably have 16 hours uh, that you could put together in this movie. But, God. And I'm sure the editor is like, holy shit. Yeah. What do I do with this? Yes. Uh, but, God. It's just, yeah. I, I love that everything is not a major monumental thing. Like, that's why I like it. It just humanizes them so much. It's, God, it's just good. Do you have much left to say about this? I mean, I... Uh... No, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's not a ton of spoilers 
he dies in the end, throwing fruit at children. It's like I always <laughs> like to. Uh, I think the last like 20 minutes are some of my favorite scenes with Joaquin because he's mm-hmm. past his prime, obviously bitter about it, you know, and like asks two little kids like who, you know, who burned Moscow? <laughs> and they, he's like, we did. And I did. And they go, oh, I heard Russia did themselves. And then he just is throwing grapes at kids. <laughs> like, who told you that? Throwing grapes. Um, it's just so fucking funny. And how even though people know he's this weird guy, like the the soldiers still respect him. The kids from the other side when he gets exiled are like fascinated by him and talking to him in the back of the room when he's eating breakfast on that little thing. He is a fascinating guy. Everyone around him knows it. We, I guess we still know it now, but it's fascinating isn't always a good thing. Uh, yeah, well, he, he plays it like a, an old guy who used to like play in the NFL or something where it's yeah. like, these kids don't know how great I was. Or like someone who like was once a great singer or actor. It's like their, their time has come and gone. Yep. No matter the, the glory they reach, a time will come. People just like, don't know that. But they'll know he was a little freak. I'm glad that we do. I'm glad that we do too. And now I'm just going to think every like conqueror was kind of just a little weirdo at home, which is probably true. I mean, I think there is truth to this idea that like he couldn't stay away from France. Yeah. You know, he could have stayed in exile, right? Mm-hmm. He could have just died pretty happy. Yeah. But he's like, he thinks that France needs him. Yeah. But much like Josephine, it's actually that he's nothing without France. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he has like, this bottomless pit in his soul that isn't full unless he's conquering. Yeah. Whether that's people or mm-hmm. land mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. if he's not doing that, he's not fulfilled. But, and, that, and that's what drives a man like that yeah. to, to become one of the most powerful men to ever live. <sighs> he just likes to be in charge. Big boss man. Yeah. I no, I don't have much more to say about it. I, I love this movie. I think most people will if they go into it with an open mind, which most people in this world are notoriously great at having. Um, it's divisive, clearly, based on the reviews I've seen so far and some of the ratings. But if you go into it just wanting to have an absolute blast, I think you're going to have an absolute blast. I mean, I don't know how you could. I'll leave you with this, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon's last words were France, the army, Josephine. Josephine. When we record our final podcast, what was <laughs> food? Film friends. Giant brownie. Mm, no. Frozen drinks. Wait, what is it? France? What's the second one he the says? The army. The army. Josephine. So it would be c- cinema. <laughs> there's, no, there's no good way to do it. We need an army is what we need. Who is our army is the question. Yeah. To the listeners. Um. Apply now. Yeah. Arm yourselves. Let's go. <laughs> Arm yourselves with uh, crispy chicken wraps. Yep. Brownies and frozen drinks. And then we could take over the world. Who's our Josephine? Arby's? I think so. <laughs> the last word would definitely be Arby's. Meat Mountain. Oh, God. Or our last breath. <sighs> I'm so excited for four hours of this movie. We have so much to look forward to. And if uh, you, listener, want more to consume there is at least four hours of this podcast sitting out there on spotify apple podcasts or anywhere podcasts are found that's right if you want to support the show if you like what you hear leave us a review wherever you're listening uh or grab some of your very own fast food film friends merch at fastfoodfilmfriends.com you can find kevin's hot takes on instagram at fast food film friends twitter at ffff podcast uh or email us at fastfoodfilmfriends at gmail.com let us know what you want us to do next time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, going to be time for us to recap the year soon. There's a lot of movies coming out in the next few weeks. So there's it's- literally more movies on my watch list than there are days left in the year. Correct. Yeah, it's not a good so sign. We're, we're definitely going to get through those lists. Mm-mm. I've been watching a lot of really dumb TV lately, <laughs> uh, which is not the move. But we'll see if I can turn it around. Until next time. Farewell. farewell.